Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Virgin Brews Podcast, recording episode 5 of <laughs> season 4. I didn't publish the last episode because it was way too long and I couldn't get everything edited in a reasonable amount of time. So I'll try to get it out, but I don't know if I can get it out tomorrow. don't have time to work on it during the week. I try to do it all on Saturdays. Today we're going to try to keep it under 30 minutes so we could uh, post it and have a normal life. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I publish the original episode, you'll see what I'm dealing with, or you may already notice. So how's your week? Uh, it's in a really busy week. I worked like 18 hours, uh, like Wednesday to Thursday in the last 24 hours, in between a 24-hour span. Well, yeah. The you worked three shifts and yeah, I slept maybe four shifts in two days. Yeah, I slept like <laughs> four hours, and I worked uh Let's see, eight to four, no, yeah, eight to four, and then five to close, and then the next day we woke up and went to work at six, and then got off at three. Well, yeah. In the original podcast uh, description, I wrote that uh, Pokemon season is about to start, and Pokemon season is starting again. Uh, Pokemon Unite started uh, maybe a week or so or so ago. It's been a couple weeks. And I, yeah, I started playing it, and I started playing Pokemon Sword again just to actually finish that. And it's getting me into all the ecosystem because Unite is like uh, MOBA is designed to be played for like years at a time or like never stop playing <laughs> and some most of the pokemon games are just designed to play one time through and so it's it's kind of i think it's a good addition to the ecosystem make it feel like an actual ecosystem pokemon go is kind of like that but it's kind of a different game that it's on its own um, MOBAs are known for being <laughs> played every day <laughs> of your life. <laughs> As I go watch, you just yeah. I wish they they should do that. They should like uh, add in like uh, instead of just the MVP, they should add in like some kind of replay of like the biggest uh, play, <laughs> like a play of the game. That'd be cool to watch, like a. Uh, 10 to 15 second <laughs> clip of what what was like the m- biggest like score or something or like protection or some good teamwork to d- get rid of Snorlax or something I don't know yeah yeah that might be the next update or something I had a ranked game that was fun I got like MVP as support characters pretty crazy is that one screenshot you shared? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it showed that you were like you helped any or assist any kills. 
<laughs> Alright, I think I got three assists. Huh. Okay. But I got the most point. Mm-hmm. I think Pokemon uh, did a pretty good job because it's not like any other MOBAs where you're attacking a tower and then you keep going down towards the base and you have to destroy towers and the towers like attack you and it's original in its sense that it like helps encourage team play instead of just like uh because the other games have like minions that help you like in uh-huh. League of Legends they like have little minions oh yeah they follow you behind and they're like you had to wait for them to come back and then they attack the tower and then you had to like have the tower attack your minions so you can attack the tower because if you're in the circle of the tower you're gonna die because it does a lot of damage but this game you don't have to worry about that you can just like you can either like go and you can do a lot of different strategies it's like um you can go and get all the like random wild pokemon and or you can, I don't know. This is kind of like uh, League of Legends has their um, the people, it's been coined jungling, where you go around and you have these like little monsters come up. If you're attacking, you get more money and that helps you like, get skill upgrades. And I think it's fun uh, that Pokemon Unite can uh, differentiate itself without being a clone of. Any other MOBA like Dota 2 or League of Legends? Yeah, I like how each game is only 10 minutes, so there's not that much commitment. You don't have to like spend hours of your day or <laughs> that much of your time to play the game. Yeah, it's like a quick game. You just pick me up and then uh, you, you can just stop there. You can play another game and try to improve upon your strategy or your uh, like if you want to change up because there's I like how there's like different move sets some games have that already but I like how you can like change like oh well I haven't tried the other one it's like slightly different has a different maybe buff or like uh, a different uh, range or like area so it helps like make your strategy different from someone else's if you like playing a certain way then your uh strength is different than someone else's mm-hmm. like i play elder goss he's a uh, like a grass support pokemon but he um i like his <laughs> thing where he like from synthesis he goes into um cotton spore and i like that better than cotton guard because the spore like you can kind of fly around a little faster and then it has like a a time where it's kind of finished up and then when it's done he like slams and a big puff of pollen comes up and kind of stuns people for a second (laughs) (laughs) yeah i might have to uh hang out with you and I could I could watch you do that <laughs> yeah the other one is I don't know I feel like it doesn't do much yeah so I've been using Aldegas oh I got uh, an attacker but I haven't used him yet so yeah I've explored many different Pokemon I kind of like how each 
one has their own set of moves and it's like Overwatch and I don't know about League of Legends but a lot of the characters I think have the same moveset but like slightly different and it seems like each Pokemon is very different. Overwatch doesn't have much overlap between movesets. Probably League of Legends because they have probably close to a hundred different legends to choose from. Hmm. Yeah, Overwatch, they have, what, 34, 35? And the reason why it's so limited compared to other games is because they try not to have much overlap between the characters because they want everyone to feel like a unique experience. Like, yeah, some of them might have shields, but there's no two shield alike. Like, Orisa has the one that you shoot out, and it's kind of like a half dome or a quarter dome. And then there's Winston that has, like, a full dome. And then you have Reinhardt that has a shield he walks around with. And Zarya has a bubble that you can apply on someone every few times, every few seconds. So everyone's slightly different. Um, there's no, like... Hmm. I feel like Tencent and probably Pokemon Company, whoever's guiding them... They want it to be like um, Overwatch, where it's like every character is viable. It's not like a a meta where it's like, oh, this guy's completely trash. Like, there's no use for him. I think that's what they're trying to go for in Pokemon Unite because there's um, just a couple of days ago they updated it and changed people's um, stats around because. I guess some people are getting a lot more play and they want to encourage more play for newer ones. <laughs> so they like buffed uh, Venusaur, for example. They made him a little more viable. And then they like nerfed uh, one of the, I think maybe Gengar or something. One of them that was getting like a lot of play, they nerfed so that um, he wasn't too popular. <laughs> yeah, so... So far, they've done a pretty good job. They have a lot of plays, so there's like hardly any weight when you queue up. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Some games suffer from a lack of player base. I don't know how good the team matchmaking match making is so far. It seems like it's kind of unbalanced sometimes like one game unranked maybe it's because they don't have enough playtime or stats to work off but like the first game I played it was like it wasn't too off balance but like we uh, we played pretty well and then we beat him by like maybe 200 points and the next game like we completely lost but it could be just like the nature of ranked where like they want to match you up after one game to a really hard match and then if you beat that, you can get rank up. That's usually how ranked, like, MMR, they call it, like, works. They go, like, okay, here's an easy one. If you beat that, you try a hard one. If you don't beat that, you go back down. Yeah. But I feel like the third one I played was, like, super easy. Like, they only got six points, and I think they ended up surrendering. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I don't know, hopefully, like, after a few games, like, there's enough stats for them to balance out so it's not like a washout every time between the two teams. Mm-hmm. 
Well, last time we talked about the Olympics a lot, and I saw this in the news. is kind of surprising to me, <laughs> is that the Olympic flame is actually being fueled by hydrogen. <laughs> Did you see that? Um. Yeah, I read something about hydrogen being like a key part of the Olympics this year. So it's cool. It's powering the flame. Yeah, it was even powering the flame during the the relay when they're running. <laughs> hmm. I was trying to understand how how the hydrogen is fueling the flame, and uh, yeah, the article that I read didn't really explain it, but it, I just realized it makes sense because hydrogen is very combustible. It doesn't like hydrogen is not the wet it just changes its nature to be like water when it it is uh, warm exposed to uh, oxygen and it combines together to make water but if it it's just pure hydrogen exposed to flame it'll burn Mm-hmm. Um, the article did say that propane is used a little bit to in the formula for the fuel, but just barely any, or and only in some of the relay, like legs. I don't know how much they used it, but the majority, of, the high majority of it, is just hydrogen. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to watch any of the Olympics. I watched a couple like clips when I uh, was eating there's a TV on in the restaurant I saw something what was it I think it was um, some volleyball or something and one team won and oh and some diving so that's not as much as I've watched but I mean maybe the do they do second relay when they finish it or they just like put it out can't remember what they do. They have to give it up to the next city. Is that how it works? Yeah, I don't uh, know how they pass the fork on to. Is it China? They can have the Winter Olympics over there. I don't remember. Yeah, it'd be kind of crazy. I think it makes sense if they keep it on fire the whole time. I don't know. That'd be crazy <laughs> just to have one flame that's been going on since the beginning. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I have um, for me exciting news. I don't know if Alex is excited, but uh, <laughs> I love uh, the new design. Google finally actually confirmed what John Prosner has published months ago. Actually, uh, he made a <laughs> 3D render of with the Pixel Six and Six Pro look like and the official images are like <laughs> exactly what his vendors are because they were based off the photos that were sent to him so he had his vendor artist do a one for one render of it so it could protect him mm-hmm. and his source yeah so this was a couple of days ago google actually tweeted previews this is because Google knows that if they don't make any kind of marketing push to 
um, like get information or like hype about it, then people are going to just invest in other companies. Like Samsung has their um, Unbox event coming up. Yeah. And then in a month they have Apple's. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just want like, hey, look, we have our phone. Like, wait for us. You want it. <laughs> and I really like the color they have for the 6 Pro. It's like uh, that champagne color that I've wanted. But now it looks more like a banana cream to me. But it's still cool. I like it better than the <laughs> other ones. It's still like... You, you know, like, like the banana cream better yeah, than the champagne. It's nice. <laughs> I mean, I like bananas, so it show off my love for for that food. <laughs> yeah, and they um announced a, a few other specs um in a later tweet on uh, frontpagetet.com. He had also put up the specs. So the Pixel 6 is not small, but it's a smaller one. It's a 6.inch display and has a 90 hertz refresh rate, which for most people is fine. Mm -hmm. And then the dual camera system, one of them ultra-wide. And they decided, I don't know why, they decided to name their custom chipset Google Tensor. I don't know what it means. Yeah, I heard that they're putting that on all the Nest devices. Oh, really? Yeah. They're trying to they're trying to make the the chip um, like you need to have like high volume usage of something in order to make it the uh, affordable. Affordable, yeah. So they're trying to put it in all their devices. I think. I mean, that's what Apple did, and they have one of the best in their class for. Their own processor, essentially their own version. It's faster than most Intel PCs, and they're struggling to keep up even with the first gen. I bet you in October they're going to start with their M2X or whatever they start. They name the next Apple uh, Silicon processor. Yeah, have you heard anything about this chip? It was reportedly going to be like based on the 845. I want to say. Mm-hmm. It's a a year old processor, but it does not mean that it's a year old chips that they're making it to be. I mean, you can have something based on something, but if you optimize and curate it to what you need, it could definitely be more powerful than what it was when it first came out. Mm-hmm. The Pixel 6 Pro is big, 6.7 inch screen. I think that's smaller than the OnePlus 9 Pro. Mm hmm. But it has a curved glass display, like many Samsung or the OnePlus 9 Pros. And the 120 hertz refresh rate, so that's good. It's a standard um, high-end flagship, I'd say most people would want. And But this one, they finally add a, um, a third camera to the uh, chip, or to the camera array. The first is just the main, the second one's the ultra-wide. And then the third camera is four times telephoto. So it's kind of like a mashup of what they did in the last two. I think the Pixel 3 XL started with the telephoto. And then the, or 
I can't remember. One of them had the wide, and the other one had the telephoto, and now they have both of them. So it's good to see that they've bumped up their Ks. More cameras, more Ks. So. <laughs> it's going to be mainstream now. The price, I don't think we have yet. I heard they're going to be, quote, expensive, which would could mean the same thing as what they have priced in the last pixels like the pixel 5 was when i bought it was around um a thousand pretty much oh wait i didn't buy the pixel Mm. i bought the pixel 4 and it was about like a thousand dollars yeah but i'm probably gonna buy it no matter what so i'm excited i'll probably get the champagne which uh, color would you want yeah those colors are kind of (laughs) interesting I see a banana cream color. Yeah, isn't it? There's like a weird gray one. And the white. The other ones don't really seem that good. <laughs> the, your, the banana cream one seems the best. Hopefully they can release it earlier and then I could get it earlier. <laughs> Apple event is usually end of October or November. So Google's right around there. So like most of the time Apple's the one that's really good at um having like same day pre orders when they announce a product or mm-hmm. they have like um a set day like oh you can pre order this day. Like I want Google to also reflect that, like have them pre-orderable the same day they announce it or like have them ship within a month instead of having to wait like a month and then you get in like November when it was announced in October Mm -hmm. this year might be a little different I wonder if it's gonna be affected by the chip shortage because of the pandemic and everyone's buying it for um, crypto mining and Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm excited about. Pixel. I like how uh, John Prosser actually was right, and <laughs> I mean, I believe he was right. It's not always that he's right. One time he had to shave his eyebrows off, but that was only once. So his track record's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Talking about crypto and mining and stuff, uh, the London hard fork was activated this past week. It's kind of cool to see the notification on my phone that they're going to pause the Ethereum deposits until the hard fork is initiated. I said that uh, this London hard fork will hopefully revitalize the cryptocurrency or Ethereum ecosystem. Since it was activated, it went up like 500 bucks. So that's pretty good. It's keeping on going up. I don't know how long it'll be until they like get used to the price. And it'll stabilize. I don't know how it's going to be like. But we might see new patterns. Um, There's an interesting article that I saw. (laughs) It says that Ethereum is burning uh, 
$10,000 every minute <laughs> based on the fees. And this is good because Ethereum up until this time hasn't really like burned any Ethereum. <laughs> it's just been issuing and issuing and issuing. But uh, are you saying just like they don't have those currency around? They just like took it off the market or something? Yeah, that's basically what happens. When you pay to have a transaction done, there's a base fee. They say the base fee is between like 70 and 100 guay. Well, it's not um, disappearing. Someone has to gain that profit. It's not like it's just vanished, right? Like the it person actually does vanish. Doesn't the uh, coin server transaction have to be funded somehow? The miner that's um, performing the actual work, they are paid with the the tip. There's extra. You have the base fee, and then you could pay a tip to tell the miner the priority of your transaction. So if you really want to get yours in as soon as possible, you p maybe pay like $100. If you don't really care, maybe you, what time you get the transaction through, maybe you pay like five bucks. <laughs> so the base fee, why do they even have a fee if it just doesn't go to anyone? Yeah, the base fee, it's basically like, driving to some place you're basically burning money <laughs> when you drive <laughs> you 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 transform your money into gasoline you put it in your car you drive and burn your gas away <laughs> it's a, yeah but you're already using money to pay for the electricity to use your computer for mining why are they charging people for doing something people are already being charged for to have these things up and going well you you have to pay to have your transaction or whatever you're paying for done hmm. okay <laughs> I mean. and the, the base fee is burned and the tip is given to the miners I mean if they have to do that I guess now <laughs> I, I don't understand what you're saying I'm just saying, like, why is there some kind of fee if no one gets it? You said no one gets it. The only thing they get is a tip. It's a way to have the currency deflationary. So the value or if so, they don't keep on issuing money. It's a it's a way to counteract inflation. Hmm. So, so you saying it's good that they burned all this? What was it? 10, yeah, it's good 000? that they're burning the money because there's more demand, and it says here like, was it? It's like almost four ETH is burned every single minute, and 
people want to hold their ETH and they don't want to share it. And the less ETH there is out there to share, the higher demand it is and people might sell it when it costs like $5,000. So the less ETH, the kind of better. (laughs) Yeah. Not really. Because Ethereum, it eventually, or this London fork has enabled them to practice uh, they call it uh, minimum viable issuance so based on how fast they're burning ETH they issue the minimum amount they need to to keep Ethereum functioning well yeah it makes sense enough because you don't want to just keep on giving out ETH without a limit. <laughs> there has to be a, a, a way to regulate the price. People have to mine it so I'm, or hash it. So I'm just assuming that's how you issue it unless people are just getting free Ethereum from like someone somewhere, which I don't know how that works, so... Yeah, another thing that I heard, I don't really know exactly how to explain it very well, but the London hard fork is enabling the end of a proof of work and we'll go full time on ETH2 with a proof of stake. I think they're planning to transfer by the end of the year. They said that the there's uh it's like EIP thirty five like forty one I think it uh, delays something until December and by then they will start proof of stake full time. Hmm. So yeah, crypto mining for Ethereum will be ending pretty soon. Good. We don't want another Bitcoin. Yeah. I think it pretty soon when people realize that mm, proof of work is not necessary, I think uh, Bitcoin may be uh, like left in the dust. <laughs> well, people are still like buying it. So. Really old technology. People are still investing yeah, in it. I see it all the time on Twitter. Buy Bitcoin now because it's the best time. Like, okay. You guys are making money somehow. So. <laughs> yeah, it's an ecosystem. It's kind of clunky, but I think uh, the innovation of Ethereum will catch on and eventually leave uh, Bitcoin in the dust. You heard it. From Alex. (laughs) (laughs) My uh, astrophysics topic is out of this world. It's actually, it's millions of light years away. 
the uh, Hubble telescope captured this image, I guess, it's of three galaxies that are like in a tug of war of sorts. Um, this this system's called a um, known as the ARP one ninety five, and it's included in the Atlas of Peculiar Galaxies. And um, yeah, this is really uh, amazing because sometimes I forget like <laughs> we are taking pictures of like all these galaxies. And yet we still have, like, very little, like, photography of our own solar system. It's crazy how powerful these telescopes and what a digital things can do now. This uh, atlas is a catalog of unusual galaxies across the universe, published by Artin Arp in 1966. But this was like an image they captured of the one that um, was in that uh, atlas. It has a few galaxies like intermingling. One of them is a signature swirl. And then another one has uh, an oblong streak. And it has like a, yeah. a bubble. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and those the two of them are like kind of pulling him apart yeah the hubble has been out and taking imagery for 31 years now and still going strong mm-hmm. and then in october they're planning on launching the nasa's space web space West james webb space telescope which should help uh with a lot of observing so yeah, that's my uh, astronomy. <laughs> so uh, this astronomer noticed this uh, phenomenon like sixty years ago, and the Hubble got a, t- a picture of it. Yeah, um, this image that you see in this site is from uh, some of the galaxies that were um, observed and Hubble's mapped out these images of him. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. Um, yeah, I didn't want to have too many topics, so I wanted to keep uh, at least one astronomy in there. It's kind of like what we were talking about before about how Capitola and all these cities kind of merged together with little towns and <laughs> you got galaxies kind of like merging together but they're like separate but pulling on each other <laughs> a weird looking yeah thing that's going on it's crazy yep I don't have any black hole subjects I was going to talk about one last week but it's old now so mm-hmm yeah, so the podcast from now on should be about 30 minutes. Uh, thank you for being sensitive <laughs> because uh, I was publishing it at pretty late times. It's kind of ridiculous. And I was working on the last podcast until like almost midnight and I realized I still have like 
probably five more hours left <laughs> editing. <laughs> I was trying to think of ways to speed up the process, but I didn't want to compromise the auto quality. I don't know how I'll publish that, but eventually it'll come out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hasta luego. I'll talk to you later.